Open your ears and crack some beers. You are listening to episode 9 of Retro Hangover. Internet, you are listening to us over the sweet, sweet kilobits and megabits of the streaming service of your choice. It is July 26th, and you are listening to episode 9 of the Retro Hangover podcast. I am Chris Copeland, and I am joined today by the already geared up for GAM, says we shouldn't start with some baby on the beginning of our podcast, but insists on voting for voluptuous video game villains on this episode. He is freakishly Final Fantasy record keeper Shane Kosky. I, you know, I'm not even sure I, I know like 80% of whatever it is you just said, but it sounded really impressive. It's for your uh, voluptuous video game villain love. Ah, uh, oh, oh, okay, okay, we're on the same page now. Ah, yeah, mm-hmm. the 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 S and M in all of us. <laughs> Uh, I, you know, I really need to figure out a way to actually follow, follow that up. I, f- I feel like, I feel like I'm slacking now. It's okay. We all have our, ina- our uh, inadequacies. Like I can't talk like I just couldn't right there. For a second, I was going to say that that, that was, that was like totally harsh in my mellow bro, but you, you <laughs> saved it at the last second. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, so what have you been up to this week, Chris? Oh, I get to go first. This yeah. Week. You, awesome. I am, awesome, I'm awesome, giving awesome. that to you. Oh well, thank you. You're welcome. Um, well, this week uh, we got I got a new microphone, which is hopefully why the audio quality is going to be much much better for this podcast. Uh, got the uh, blue snowball ice picked up from Best Buy today. Tried picking it up yesterday. Uh, there was a store associate who said he wanted it, but they're not supposed to carry it in stock, so he was going to pick it up, but he couldn't find it. But it was in their inventory system. Uh, so I looked over the store for it for myself, and I couldn't find it. So today I took my kid to the park, and I'm like, well, if it's in their inventory system, and I order it from them online, they have to find it. <laughs> so if, as long as I put picked yeah. up in store. And there it was, picked up in store, and lo and behold, I was able to pick it up in that store like 30 minutes later after ordering it. So I was able to get this mic. Moving forward, we should be able to, this, this podcast should be a lot more flexible in terms of when we can do it. So I'm looking forward to really getting it out there. Of course, we have the new Twitter account for the podcast that's right we do mm-hmm. yeah i haven't even checked that out yet i should probably mm-hmm. do that have you uh gone on the email service to confirm the website is linked up to it uh you know man like you say to do things and like way later yeah <laughs> it should have done this earlier i mean it'll happen i mean whatever i mean look yeah. at it this way uh, by next episode that that should totally be awesome <laughs> it will be great um what else did this week uh, fixed my PlayStation 3, completely ripped out the laser lens assembly from it and replaced it with a new one, which is actually amazingly easy. It was not hard at all. I think anyone who has a basic understanding of Legos could probably do it. 
Uh, I, I did have a YouTube video to, to show what I'm supposed to do. Fortunately, like one of the screws I, I think is the first screw you're supposed to take out, I didn't have the right screw for, but someone had already been in the system prior to me owning it mm-hmm. and took that screw out. So oh. I can just, I can get it into the system really easily and it, it makes it super easy to fix any problems I got. And but it's really surprisingly easy to get in and, and work on. It's not like the the old loading systems, which I guess are easy too, but there's so many swappable parts you can get in there and replace if you have any problems. Yeah, and uh, so in slightly other news, I, I totally just confirmed our email address with 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 twitter so we're we're like official and shit now score yeah i think we have like 18 followers now we you know i was just looking at that we do i don't even know who they are let me let me see there's like hey storm unity's following us yeah i know uh i i totally followed them that's one of the pe- first people i followed uh because they're local and they have a good podcast and that easter egg was for them in the in beginning see if you can find them but uh uh other than that what games uh record keeper of course uh, just been tearing it up in that game pretty much i'm just have like one character left to have to get he's like final fantasy 2 is a card and i gotta pick that up uh but I, it keeps on giving me final fantasy 7 stuff and that's fine also finished final fantasy type 0 hd which i have a <laughs> I, i'm i bet you are so happy about that oh my god <laughs> i don't know what chain-smoking monkey game journalists were reviewing that game, but that's like not a 9 out of 10, 8 out of 10 game. It's not even close. They're 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. <laughs> 10 out of 10. Final Fantasy. Let's call it a day. Yep. Uh, it's, not, it's not the return to form people said it was. I know I've ripped it before, but like the ending just put the, the cherry on top. It was an awful ending. Uh, it was it was one of those things. It, it did something in typical old school Final Fantasy form, where you have the bad guy, which it, no spoiler in this. You have two warring factions, and and they're going against each other. And there are some other things that happen um, down the line, but you know near the end, it's typical Final Fantasy form. There's the bad guy, and then there's the real bad guy. And <laughs> this isn't even my final form. It's much better explained when it's a complete Deus Ex Machina in the other games. And this one was just kind of like, what the fuck just happened? Uh, I don't know. I could go on and on. I'm probably going to write a review and post it up on GameFAQs tomorrow. Uh, just, I'm so disappointed in that game. It's, I would give it like a, if I had to give it a number score, it'd be a 6 out of 10. Uh, I haven't even played the Final Fantasy 15 demo yet. That actually seems pretty generous based on how you've talked about that game the past few episodes. <laughs> Six it's, seems it's, high. It's playable. Uh-huh. Like there's there, it, it has flashes of brilliance uh, that are in there. It's there 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 are things that are in there that I do like. It's just the culmination of it. Like six is a low score for a video game. I know you have to adjust your sliding scales. Like for comparison, I gave Dear Esther a five, and you know how I feel about that game. I this just says to me that you are like strangely generous with your with your scoring system. Because I mean, five out of ten, like statistically, means it's like dead on average. Well, if you go by the school book grading system, that's failing. Dude, nobody does that. What do you? I do. Well, video game journalists do. 
that's not like the video game journalistic review barometer. Yeah, you have to. You yeah, have to but kinda... then you. Yeah, but okay, but then you see what that leads to with how like completely arbitrary and like totally fucked a lot of review systems are in the first place. Like, if that's like you know people saying like oh a seven out of ten game is a bad game. Like I've heard that before, and I'm like, dude, seven out of ten, that's that's good like that that's a that that is better than average well here, here's how here's how i view it like five out of ten dear esther i give it a five out of ten because i understand it's not for me but it could be for other people mm-hmm. a six out of ten for final fantasy type zero for me that's saying there are some aspects that some people might really enjoy but i was so turned off by some things that are absolutely not for me that I, I couldn't recommend. I couldn't necessarily recommend it, though. I could understand how other people may enjoy it, mm-hmm. um, because, like I said, it did give me a near forty-hour experience. I did play it for forty hours. It's not broken. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I mean, that just sounds masochistic to me. Really. Well, for comparison's sake, if I had to rate Sonic 06, that'd be like a two or a three. Oh well, okay. So that's that's how I view it. Like this game's not for me, it's not for you, and it's broken. But you know what? It turns on, and you can run Sonic around. It has a good, pretty good voice acting, and sometimes it works. So two or three out of ten, two point five out of ten. There you go. Wait, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 06. What was that? You said that Sonic O Six has good voice acting. Are you high? Well, for a Sonic game, that's not that's not saying anything. <laughs> it's no use. <laughs> you know what? I, I don't really remember. I haven't gone back to that. <laughs> I just played it some more, like about a week ago, and it's why? <laughs> because I have friends who revel in my misery. That's why they say the masochist. That's awful. Mm-hmm. That's terrible. Um, on the other game front, I promised I had more games this week, and I do. Uh, well, I played, hot damn. Yeah. Uh, well, I've been on vacation. I got the beard going on. Uh, I, I like the beard. The wife hates it, but. Uh, first off, started out the week playing some Mario Kart 8. Oh. I got the, I finally got the DLC pack. I've been, I, I played some of those courses. I really like them, especially the F-Zero courses. I found, uh, love driving around the F-Zero Kart. The DLC pack is magnificent, but I mean, a lot of people already know that. But, uh, on top of that, uh, my kid got Child of Light and he's doing really well. I didn't think you'd be able to figure this out. Like, I was watching my wife play it, and she couldn't figure out a lot of the puzzles. My six-year-old is picking up. It's not like they're hard puzzles. No. Uh, but, like, it took longer for my wife to be like, oh, this is what you do. And my six-year-old is just picking it up like nothing. He's, he's chugging through it like, uh, I wouldn't say a seasoned RPG veteran, but it's, like, not his first RPG. It was just, it really is. So I'm very impressed by how he's doing <clears throat> so does this mean that your six-year-old has played child of light before you have he, he has <sighs> you, you fail me i've been helping him <laughs> and I, I mean i guess that kind of counts but eh. yeah i mean i've been watching him helping him out playing with him stuff like that um so there's that uh final fantasy 5 i've been playing that i just made it up to the point where the fire crystal shatters and gotten those jobs so uh, that, that's a fun little game. I've never beaten it, and that's my goal is to beat that. I'm playing it on the GameCube mm-hmm. with the Game Boy adapter. And I have to say, I know we've talked a lot about the NX in the past, but that's something I realized where Nintendo's gotten 
If if, if the, what the rumors are about it are true, is I can under completely understand if Nintendo is going to do that because there I was playing this game on the GameCube and, and playing it like a normal game, and then turn off the game, you know, save the game, turn off the GameCube, everything like that, take my game out, put it in my DS Lite, go into another room far away from my GameCube, and continue to play the game. Yeah, I was like, wow. It'd be really cool if a company... Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Suddenly it all makes sense. This is coming together. This could be a really good idea. So that that all clicked. Uh, I think I bought a game called Saviors on Steam, which is a shmup. It was 19 cents. I haven't played it yet. Hmm. But uh, that's 19 cents. So even it sucks, you really can't go wrong. Right. But been keeping you know just been keeping busy in in the video game life like that and running a lot more trying to maintain my vacation and it ends this friday so um see what i can do i also finished up watching the original dragon ball and it's much better than dragon ball z and it makes me realize dragon ball z uh kind of sucks compared to it but um well i uh, out there well i'm sure you probably (laughs) pissed somebody off (laughs) good because dragon ball z does suck compared to dragon ball in other news, what have you been up to, Shane? Well, certainly not watching Dragon Ball, because I have not seen any of that. Or Z, for that matter, so... Watch Dragon Ball. Don't watch Z. I know, like I said, it just pissed off a bunch of Animu fans, but... I mean, whatever. I, yeah. you, their their tears sustain me, and it is glorious. Oh, how was Gam? Yeah, so uh, so Gam was this past week... Well, yesterday, as a matter of fact. Um, and, uh, well, I, I suppose I should preface this correctly... So GAM, uh, which is just the pronunciation of uh, an acronym, uh, G-A-A-M, is uh, an acronym that I'm probably going to totally forget what it all stands for. But basically, it is a an event that celebrates the art and music of uh, video games. And so it's an annual event uh, here locally in, in Jacksonville. And it's held at a uh, the museum and gardens here. So they set the whole place up with uh, art from you know various local artists and, and stuff like that that all has to do with games and they usually have a theme every year uh, this year was uh, Avengers or just Marvel in general but specifically Avengers and um, so the vast majority of the art was centered around that there was uh, a really cool section that was um, dedicated to Iwata which I thought was very cool um, a lot of people put in some some really great art there, uh, so I was pretty impressed with that. And it's it's not so much like a con in the traditional sense; it's more of just like an event. Um, but yeah, I, when I went last year, it felt more of like a celebration of just being a gamer and just being a geek and and being like a cosplayer. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Um, they they always have some some good music going on on there. Um, they got the dance floor open all the time. They had a DDR machine, uh, which was cool. So I <laughs> I did that a few times. Um, I am apparently better at that than I thought I was. DDR is fun. Yeah, yeah, it is. I just you know now I just have to set up a DDR machine in my house, and then I won't ever have to like exercise again. I can just play that all the time. But uh, no, it was a good time. Um, it's the second time that I've been. Uh, so the previous year was was uh, was pretty good. I would say I think I felt like this one was better. The uh, the happy grilled cheese food truck made its return, which is one of the things I was actually looking forward to the most. 
because mm-hmm. uh, their like gourmet grilled cheeses are amazing, and they've had a physical location in Riverside that they've been trying to get into for like over a year now and they still don't know because i asked them about it and unfortunately they still don't know when they're going to get there but i'd almost like it to sit some stuff like that to stay as a food truck i think there's yeah. a charm to it and just like get another truck so it, so you're saying it's like the the ice cream truck effect where like it's it's more special because it doesn't show up all the time well, well kind of it's kind of like you can get a schedule going it's like hey on this day we'll be in orange park or in this day, will be on West Side, or you can have two trucks and they they, they rotate. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. I, I think like there's there's a specialness to it as well that you know you can't get it all the time. So when it's there, it's like more of an event. Yeah, no, I get that. I get that. Uh, and I think the other thing to note about Gam is they they try to they usually dedicate a whole room actually to uh, indie developers, which is cool. So uh, you can go down there and have a chance to uh, play some games that people are in the process of developing before they are released. And um, it's it's kind of a cool little symbiotic relationship because you get to play some stuff ahead of time, and then these, uh, you know, indie developers have an outlet to, you know, get their get their game and their message out there so uh all in all it was it was a good time uh as it always is that's awesome yeah yeah uh as far as games go uh, a lot of the same really um more record keeper i just finished the current current event and got the memory crystals for the characters that i have not leveled up yet which is usually how it goes yeah but those characters are so worthless that final fantasy 8 group of misfits it, it reminded me how terrible the game was. Yeah, well, you know, I, well, as you know, I haven't actually played that. I will right. say, though, that it is kind of weird, and in, in particularly in this day and age, that there's a character named Selfie that kind of throws me off a little bit. Yeah, it wasn't as uh, ironic in 1998. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure that term didn't even exist then. No. Yeah. But yeah, more Record Keeper, um, doing a lot of that fallout uh shelter um expanding my my vault uh which has been surprisingly fun still haven't seen the need to drop any money on that which in my opinion is the hallmark of a of a good free-to-play game if i'm not compelled to drop a bunch of money so that's a plus yeah uh outside of that mm, more ff7 i've been playing that on steam right yes yes on steam because Because i don't have the proper hardware to play the actual ps1 disc right now so i mean you you do you just no i have problems listen man it's not my problem all right that that laser eye on that original playstation is fucking balls and it's basically unplayable like i actually i don't know how but i actually played the majority of the first resident evil in that console and it, it was rough let's just put it that way um, but yeah, I've been so, playing it on Steam, and as of right now, I am on like floor sixty-five of the Shinra building. So what you need to do is you need to give me my game back, and I'll give you Xenoblade, and you can play that. I mean, you say that, but then I, I also I also have other other interested parties in that copy of FF Seven that I have so sitting you can here. Play it. 
but I will as soon as I get that small form factor PS1 that hopefully Dustin at VGR, I'm totally counting on you for this, by the way, don't forget, as soon as I get one of those, I will totally be able to play it. Besides, man, it's not like I'm not, you know, taking care of it. It's in good hands. Dude, just go to a flea market. You can get like a PS1 at a flea market for like 10 bucks. They're all over the place. You're you're just you're breaking my balls here, man. I mean, yeah, support VGR, but he should have called you by now. It was oh, yesterday. Yeah, I talked well, to him yesterday about it. They used to be fifteen bucks there, but they've gone up in price. Uh, not not just VGR, but no, they're just everywhere. Yeah, like yeah. thirty bucks is like the going price for the ones that don't have the built-in screen. So that's crazy. You should just get a PS3. Yeah, man, just fuck it. You know, fucking YOLO four twenty swag. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Let's just buy a PS4. Three. No, no, man. You know what? If you're gonna go, if you go hard or go home, I'm just gonna get you can't, a, get a PS4. You can't play PS1 no, games I, I don't want a fucking PS4. I don't want to hear your technicalities <laughs> and your bullshit, man. Well, fuck it. Buy a PS4 and put Final Fantasy VII in there, and then tell me the game doesn't fucking work. <laughs> just throw the disc in there. It should <laughs> go be like, for it. What? I don't know what this is. Your PS4 will look at you all confused with an emoji on the screen <sighs> and then spit it back in your face. Listen, man, it's only... I don't play... I don't have backwards compatibility. I don't have time for this shit. It's only a matter of time before it happens. If if the X-Bone can do it, then the PS4 can do it. X-Bone won't have backwards compatibility with Xbox. The original Xbox One, so... Probably not going to happen on the PS1 front. <sighs> You're just crushing my dreams here. Well, that's what I do. I crush hopes and dreams. Terrible. Awful. you have any more other games? Uh, honestly, not, not really. Oh, well, I, I have been playing more 100% orange juice because my, my friend Zoe got me into that now. And strangely enough, there's like a progression to it that actually makes you want to go back and play it again. Like it, <clears throat> cause I had, I had mentioned this last episode, so it's basically like anime Mario party, but I actually like some of the changes that they've made cause there's no mini games. So you don't get any of that bullshit. Uh, but it's like deck building and then also your character like levels up with the stuff that you gain from playing multiplayer games. So yeah, it's actually a lot cooler than I was giving it credit for. So, uh, I've been, I've been playing more of that, but, uh, yeah, other than that though, not, not much else this week that, that about wraps it up for me. I I got to play the new guitar hero yesterday. Oh, you went to the, uh the Nintendo event there or yeah, I went to the yeah. Nintendo event and then they had the uh, Sony event mm-hmm. uh, in the back by the TVs. Ah. So they had like a little Sony demonstration for a guitar hero live. Um, not too excited about it. I'm not, not a big fan of the new guitar. Really? But I, I do give them credit for trying something different. I do give them that. And for some reason, like it was me, Steve and uh, this, this other guy that was there, you know, Steve. Yeah. And, and you know, Steve is like a, rhythm games master sure he's he's, he's, he's well at least self-proclaimed um, i mean that's he, that's that's his thing that's what he likes it's his thing he likes those kind of games yeah and I, i've seen him play rhythm games before i know he's really good at them and he was having some serious problems playing that game and i was thinking to myself maybe it's just he's he's getting used to controller uh i so i picked up the controller myself and i started playing it and i was missing notes like crazy there was some serious lag going on well, this was after they calibrate. They calibrated it with the TV. Oh, okay. Uh, um, so I'm not sure if this is just like because of it's the demo. I'm not sure if it's the TV. I'm not sure if it's the controller. But there are some serious problems trying to get the get get like the strum lined up 
with what was going on with the TV. Hmm. Uh, and that wasn't just with me. So I'm not saying like it sucked because I sucked, which is well, I haven't played guitar here in years, so I'm not throwing that out the window. But um, it was not as polished as I thought it would be. I, the the whole entire realistic background where people react to you as you play it's like real people mm-hmm. like you're in a concert is is not as charming as it was in the original guitar hero where uh you had like the 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 animated characters and, and they would react and they would do things it's it's cool but it's it's weird um also the problem with the controller is like they have six buttons but it's really three buttons and each button has like a, an upper and a lower that you can both individually control. So you can, like, realistically, you can reach all buttons with three fingers. They're all lined up on it. And I found myself, like, when it would be the upper button, having to move my fingers a certain way, or else I'd constantly be pressing on the other button at the same time, and that would count against you. Hmm. So the spacing is a little much. And I can understand that, because a real guitar, like, if you just lay your finger down, it's not going to sound too good. But... (laughs) Uh, well, it would, the, like for a video game, I expect a little bit different. Well, yeah, that's because I remember them talking about those split buttons, and I, I didn't think that was a great idea to begin with. Um, actually, for some of the reasons that uh, you're saying, so uh, evidently I wasn't that far off. But I, I think I don't speak for just myself when I say that I don't play Guitar Hero or Rock Band for like realism. <laughs> at all like i have a guitar for that like if i want to play a guitar i'll play a guitar but you have to have a certain level of of abstraction there where it's like we have to remember that it is a game and i personally don't really think they needed to mess with the controllers at all like i thought the button layout they had to begin with was fine rock band's not going to they're they're I think they're coming out with their next game. They're they're coming out with one too, and they're not messing with the controller at all. You can use like the old ones. Uh, see that. <clears throat> so I I started off with Guitar Hero, and I had played that for quite a while. And then late in that whole music game cycle, I ended up picking up uh, Rock Band Four. I think it was Rock Band Four. Yeah, and um, I actually ended up liking that more. Um, just. For a variety of reasons, I liked the controller better. I liked the gameplay better. Um, I think just overall, Rock Band is probably a higher quality product, I want to say. It got there. It did. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. I I think I'm probably... If I was going to buy into another rhythm game like that again, my bet would probably be on Rock Band out of the two. Do you think enough time's passed that it's going to be able to come back? I think so. Um, I th- we definitely had some burnout there because they were releasing those, plus like the band specific ones like Aerosmith and Metallica and all that. They we had so such a glut of those games for quite a while that they just saturated the market. And even even myself and at the time I had a small group of friends who that's kind of like what we did. We just like hang out and play Guitar Hero, and even us got tired of it after a while so i think we needed a breather i think it's good now and and i think uh you know i think this is probably a good time for them to come back i am looking forward to seeing what it is that they've got in store well as you heard i think we both had a pretty good week in terms of uh video games and just in life and in general uh glad to hear for both of us uh 
And this week's main topic, we're going to be talking about esports. We all know Evo just went down, a big fighting event. But prior to that, we're going to be discussing what's on tap. Right, so um, the first story that we have up on the docket today, uh, as is sort of a retro hangover tradition, I think, at this point, is Nintendo. Things about Nintendo. Last week it didn't work out so well. Well, we saved it towards the end, but there's reasons. Yes, yes. Well, that yeah, that was a that was a specific case. But uh, yeah. so I don't know about you, man, but I. <laughs> I didn't even know this thing exists. I, I was just going to put that out there right now. But Nintendo apparently is sh- shutting down the Nintendo TV app that they have on the Wii U. And I guess it functioned as some sort of strange television guide or something. They're shutting it down on August 11th, and I didn't even know this existed. And I uh, and I own a Wii U, so... I- <laughs> I've actually tried it. Uh, I tried getting into it when it first came out, and it came out relatively soon after they launched the Wii U. It wasn't that long, like six months or so. Um, it sucks. It's not very good. <laughs> well, <laughs> like it was imagine supposed to be, that. It was supposed to be the interactive, like an interactive television app. In theory, it was really fucking cool. Uh, you would be watching TV as we, as I don't know if you have it this way, but I do at home. You could use your gamepad as a TV remote. Which is a lot more convenient than you might think because I'm losing my TV remotes all the time at home. And mm. well, if I have the gamepad because it's big and it's really hard to lose, uh, I just play with it. But the thing is, is like you open up the TV, uh, the, the app in the Wii U. And, you, and like if you wanted, it's supposed to be interactive. So you go like sporting events or, or a television show. And you would sync it up with whatever cable provider you had, and you'd press a button, it automatically changed it that channel. And then you could comment on what was going on in the show in real time with other people who were doing the same thing. Unfortunately, no one else did this. <laughs> well, I mean, that's kind of the thing, right? Is like services like this really live or die by the user base, and um, I clearly not enough people were even using it. Like for me, this is one of those icons on my Wii U startup like dashboard that got tucked away on like a back corner somewhere because I was like, I, I don't know what this is, and I don't care, and so you're gonna go off to the side somewhere. Go, go in the corner. I don't want to look at you. And apparently I was not the only one that did that. I mean, in theory, like on paper, listen, this is like, <clears throat> this is basically like communism, all right? On paper, it sounds great. In practice, it's fucking terrible. Like, yeah. I, like I'm reading this, like some of the things that this thing could do, and it sounds cool. Like, yeah, you, you know, it integrates your social media accounts so you can like chat with people real time about the stuff you're watching. Again, in theory, sounds awesome. It had like a doodle mode so that you could draw over things that were happening live on TV, which is weird, but whatever. Like a giant penis. I mean, I'm sure that probably happened a lot. (laughs) Listen, anytime you give anybody enough freedom to like draw or build something, they're just going to be dicks. That's just how it, that's how things go down. Gonna be dicks or draw dicks? Or be dicks by drawing dicks? Yes. The answer to that is yes. (laughs) 
but I mean, even Nintendo kind of just recognized their, you know, part of their statement, you know, when they announced that they're shutting this thing down is, you know, that it, they really want to focus on other projects. And they, they made a note of saying that, you know, their Wii U user base can totally continue to use stuff like Netflix, Hulu, Crunchyroll, any of that stuff. And honestly, a lot of those dedicated apps like that really end up superseding something like this in the first place. And furthermore, uh, you know, well, this is speaking just from my own viewpoint, but even just within the circle of people that I know personally, not many people actually watch TV. Like, with the exception of what I refer to more as, like, event television, like the latest episode of Walking Dead or Game of Thrones or something like that, I don't think anyone I know just kind of, like, sits down and flips through channels on TV anymore. Mostly because... I really don't. No, mostly because a lot of people don't even have cable anymore either. So this app seemed kind of superfluous to begin with. Well, see, the cool thing about it for me was... Like I, I saw it as as sports. I could talk to other people with sports about it, which I think would be a lot. It would be pretty interesting. But first of all, if I want to chat with people in real time, I wanted I would want a keyboard. I wouldn't want like to use the gamepad. That's not ideal. Mm. That and and you could already do that with the TV and a laptop and True. talk smack and and in other realms. Like the the the, the gamepad is not well suited for doing the things it wanted to do, even as cool as it was. Well, not even a laptop. Hell, you can sit on your couch with your freaking smartphone and tweet shit about whatever you're watching. Faster than the gamepad. It's much more responsive. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, this is this is one of those things that was supposed to be a killer app for the Wii U. Obviously, it wasn't. And Nintendo's moving on, and then they're, they're calling it a day. I mean, this, in a way, this actually kind of reminds me of uh, Microsoft's original push with the xbox one of like marketing it as like a you know multimedia device where they were like when they announced it i well i remember just being completely turned off by basically everything they were saying because they were completely downplaying the games and we're just like uh, you can fucking watch tv on this thing man like just route your xbox one through your cable box and you can use it to do things and i'm like wow that's terrible but okay cool and so that like weird push to have these systems be like your all-in-one media solution i i think this just reminds me a lot of that because microsoft moved away from that too and they were like oh right we make a fucking game console maybe we should actually just focus more on i don't know games that might be good which is something i want to be telling nintendo right now as we all know nintendo speaking of failures from the tv hope something that's not a failure is nintendo's been going on a lot about its quality of life devices uh we they really haven't said what it is there was that like stupid ass finger monitor for the wii yeah that that, that disappeared <laughs> that just vanished um but now we're seeing we're seeing a patent coming out from them this could be news this could be nothing but it's like a sleep monitor uh, that that sees like supposed to monitor your emotions, and then based off your emotions, project something onto your ceiling to help you feel at ease or more relaxed with it. I mean, am I the only one that thinks that having a goddamn projector in your bedroom is just going to make it really difficult to sleep? Uh, it, it is. It, it's difficult <laughs> to sleep enough. Uh, my wife got this like uh, uh, aroma thing 
that that like for the bedroom and it mm-hmm. like projects light out but at the same time as projecting light out it projects out like uh, uh scents mm-hmm. so she had one for lavender because it's supposed to make you tired and help you sleep and the other thing i can think of is i need that fucking light to turn off um <laughs> yeah <laughs> i can't do it i know some people like to sleep with the tv on uh, i'm not one of those people uh so this is something definitely not for me but it's you know, this is something Nintendo's considering part of their quality of life initiative, and if this is what they're doing, I'm not really looking forward to, like, the rest of the crap they're going to dole out. I, I I see what they're trying to do because, you know, a lot of game companies try to diversify, you know, they don't want to put all their eggs in, in the video game basket, which, you know, whatever, that's fine. But at the same time, none of the stuff from this quality of life initiative that they've been talking about for quite a while now, actually, uh, none of it has really been all that compelling. Like when they when they revealed that uh, uh, that finger sensor there, like the pulse sensor or whatever, um, the general reaction to that from pretty much everyone was just like. I'm sorry, what is this? And and why do we need it? Like, it, it, it kind of just became a joke, which I think is a large part of why we haven't heard anything about it lately. Um, and this, like... Ah. I'm not I'm I'm not sold on this one either. So the patent diagram that got dug up um, courtesy of NeoGAF, as a matter of fact, looks a lot like an iPod dock. Yeah. Um, and I think the diagram is ambiguous enough that we don't know whether or not they intend to have a smartphone docked in this thing or if it's an, maybe it's the portable part of the NX or, or, or that. Yeah. No, <laughs> I mean, awful. I mean, you say that, but that, that is actually a possibility. Oh God, no, <laughs> please. No. So, and, and part of the verbiage of the patent goes on to say that, uh, you know, the device, um, is designed to assess the user's emotions on the basis of sensor information, which notes that it could be, as an example, um, sound information detected by a microphone or image information captured by a camera. That, I mean, listen, I know we're like living in the future or whatever, but that's still kind of fucking creepy to me. That hey, this 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 by the way is completely not in uh, designed with cooperation from the NSA. Not at all. No, no, not one bit. No, the the government is totally not watching you sleep, at all. I think they figured you know the connect field. What what, what can we use now? I mean, I, so on one hand, I get why they would want that functionality because if that's the purpose of this thing, then you know they're gonna want to monitor your sleep in that way, but. Please don't. Yeah, that's just, I don't know, man. That's just weird. And, like, I don't, I really don't know what the benefit of this is. Like, what, if I were to get one of these and put it in my bedroom, like, on my nightstand, what is this thing going to do that is going to improve my quality of life? Like, is it going to tell me how to sleep better? Like, I, they've been very vague on a lot of the finer points of this stuff. I think I'd give it the goat. And see how well it tells me the goat is sleeping. Um, the goat? What? The goat. The goat? Am I? You don't know what the goat is? Am I missing something here? What? Have you seen the movie Waiting with Ryan Reynolds? Oh wow, yeah, but not in a long time. Yeah, I give it the goat. <laughs> okay. And it can give me a sleep score based that and upload it to his leaderboards, which is something it's supposed to be doing. Wait, I'm sorry. What? It has leaderboards. 
Uh, it doesn't say leaderboard, but it has a sleep <laughs> score that can be calculated after being uploaded to Nintendo servers. Oh, well, there you go. Now you can be competitive in your sleeping as well. A competitive sleeping. There we go. Is that a sport? I mean, I, I feel like if if you're involved in esports, then you really just want to, you know, you want to gamify every part of your life. And, and Nintendo has totally got your back on that one. I can't wait for that tournament. <laughs> the sleep the tournament of life sleep tournament we might actually have discovered something more boring to watch than golf <laughs> not if we get more goats <laughs> well i mean to be fair goats would improve golf like exponentially too so <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> uh but moving on to something that may or may not include goats you never know i hope not oh please no uh, so we we had actually talked about this a little while ago about yes. how uh, Universal Studios Parks in Orlando was working in conjunction with Nintendo to sort of convert a section of their existing park, uh, Islands of Adventure to be specific, into a video game themed area, which is fucking awesome, first of all, and I will be like one of the first ones there when that shit opens, but... There's been more developments in this story recently, and it looks like it's going to be expanding beyond just uh, a an area. Apparently, Universal has already done enough development on the rides that they want to include in this thing that it might actually end up becoming its own park, completely separate of Universal Studios and Islands of Adventure, which... I I mean I'm totally for that would be amazing. Yeah, that'd be so fun. And I didn't actually know this, um, but apart from just Nintendo, apparently they've been working with Blizzard as well. So like World of Warcraft is supposed to have a large presence at this park. So mm-hmm. this is I you know listen like I'm if you don't hear from me after this opens, it's just because I'm 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 living there now somewhere like I, if I can just find a place to hole up where I can avoid the employees like I will just live there. He's you just dressed as an orc, you'll be fine. Yeah, man, I just need fine to put then. together a really convincing cosplay, and yeah. then I will just never have to leave. <laughs> that sounds perfect. <laughs> I'm really happy that this happened because if you look at the, the article, which is courtesy of IGN, uh, they're talking about how it stemmed from the fact Universal is planning on using all of Nintendo's assets to make the kids portion of the park. Like the like the little kitty area that you really don't like going into, but you have to because your kids keep bothering you in order to go there. Yeah. Like that was supposed to be in the Nintendo portion. So you could probably imagine like like Mario's mini bumpy car, bumper car carts or something like that. That that that's what immediately comes to my imagination. I think on myself, oh god, no. But um, <laughs> I'm really happy that they're going to be expanding out to a bigger park because I think this will allow more creative ideas to come to the forefront, especially with World of Warcraft, where you can make rides for everyone and not just towards kids. You could have like an F Zero go kart track. Yeah, well, I mean, and and part of the article also mentions that at least one of the things that they've already talked about is that they're working on a Mario Kart like go kart thing, which is yeah. awesome. I prefer F Zero, just faster. 
I mean, if, Unless, if, if it's Mario Kart, I better be able to throw fucking garbage at people. Like, I want to take a banana peel and, like, throw it in someone's face. I was actually wondering about that, too. I was like, is it just going to be, like, a go-kart track with just some Mario-branded shit, or are they actually going to try to do something unique with it? I'm hoping for the latter, because if they can figure out a way to, like make it as competitive as mario kart is if i can throw a blue shell at that fucker that's in first place that'd be awesome i would that would be amazing but you know i'm really happy they're expanding out i hope they add more things like uh like like sega so they can get like a really fast roller coaster ride and call it sonic's drive into depressing games i mean like uh (laughs) the new roller coaster sonic's last hope It goes up really, really fast and goes down really, really fast. And, and there's no end in sight. And then never <laughs> stops going down. And it was immediately when you're about to hit the concrete, you think it's going to pull up and you're safe. But on the Sonic ride, you hit the concrete and you keep going lower. <laughs> uh, that's unfortunately accurate. <laughs> I'm just like, uh, be, just because I've played World of Warcraft for so long, like, I, I mean, granted, the Nintendo portion is obviously, like, really, really cool and very interesting, and with all the major IPs that Nintendo has, like, I want to see what they're going to do with, like, a Legend of Zelda thing, and that's going to be awesome, but I really, really want to see what they do with Warcraft, particularly with, you know, the film adaptation coming up relatively soon they could do a lot of really awesome stuff with that. Like if they could pull a, a Harry Potter and recreate like Orgrimmar or Stormwind or something like that in the park, dude, they, they, I'm sure they know, but do you realize how much nerd money they're going to be like raking in off of this thing? Why not Hyrule? Like a Hyrule section. Uh, yes, I will also take that, and I will go into an actual um, Happy Mask salesman shop and buy all oh, yeah. all of the masks. You go to Warcraft, you get turkey legs. I mean, yeah, of course, that's a that's a given. To. And like they have a, a Metroid spot too. It'd just be like uh, Tomorrowland or what Tomorrowland should be today. Of course, that'd be a blast. I, I there's so many possibilities for this. Like just just walking into a real mushroom kingdom you said like walking into um the world the, the regions of world of warcraft tristan what if they bring that from diablo is that the name of the town uh tristram yeah tristram yeah. if they like had like a tristram and then like in order to get to the like events you had to go uh like down some stairs into an underground area ah uh, that'd be so cool if they like recreated the cathedral from diablo 1 Yes. Oh my god. This listen, all <laughs> all this is doing is just reinforcing what I said earlier, which is if they do this right and build this place the way that I think they're going to, I'm I'm just like not going to want to leave. So, <laughs> if anybody needs me, you know where to get a hold of me. Just send a carrier pigeon or smoke signals or something. Speaking of smoke signals, this isn't really much of one considering that Microsoft promised that it'd be exclusive for a little bit, but a smoke signal is going to be sent up that Tomb Raider was supposed to be only be a timed exclusive. We just didn't know for how long. Well, it looks like Tomb Raider is going to be a timed exclusive for an entire calendar year, Rise of Tomb Raider. Uh, this came out from Square Enix recently. Uh, they said it's going to be released for the PS4 holiday 2016, and it's going to be coming this PC in early 2016, so well after the Xbox One and Xbox 360, which I don't know why there's a version for, comes out on November 10th, November 10th, 2015. 
So this actually looks like a pretty big score for Microsoft. What do you say, Shane? Yeah, I mean, it is. And this is, well, this is what I hate about exclusives anyway. But so given that I was still sort of leaning towards getting a PS4 for my my next-gen console at some point, this uh, this just sucks, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Um, it, it's just another reason for why I might not actually go with a PS4. I don't, as much as shit as I gave Microsoft on the outset uh, with their announcements for the Xbox One, and I think a lot of it was very warranted because, let's be honest, they kind of fucked that one like six ways from Sunday. But That was awful. Yeah, but... I do have to give credit where credit is due, and they've kind of pulled it around to the point where now there are a lot of more compelling reasons to have an Xbox One than a PS4, which I'm actually a little disappointed to say, but this is just another one. Um, I actually really liked the Tomb Raider reboot, and um, I was also looking forward to this one, and I don't know if like waiting an entire year after is such a great idea now the thing that i wonder about that though is if it's got a whole year do you think that the inevitable you know ultimate game of the year whatever edition is the one that's going to come to ps4 just straight away or do you think they're going to do like a release of the original and then do the thing after because that sounds like bullshit well, you got to make it up to Sony. This is Square Enix we're talking. Well, yeah, uh, Square Enix has had a long history with with Sony, one way or another, in terms of how they work together and what they do. There is no doubt in my mind that the version that comes to the PS4 right out the gate will be like the Game of the Year edition. It will have all the DLC. It will have uh, probably additional uh, items that you can't get in the Xbox One version. Uh, this Sony, I can only see SquareSoft making it up to Sony. In, in every way possible uh this is it because especially being a year and especially being such a major release i can't see microsoft having a superior version at the end of the day but you are absolutely right if you took xbox one and ps4 and you put them side by side right now uh in terms of exclusives and unique experiences it, and and i would say for most of the casual gaming audience it's hard of me to say that the xbox one is not the superior option in terms of what you should be getting really so you so you still don't think the xbox is superior i said it's not uh it, it would be hard for me to say that it's not the ah, xbox one would okay. be the superior one yeah um maybe i said it wrong it's possible but um i can be a dumbass especially when <laughs> drinking <sighs> yeah it, it, like if you told me right now you have to get a game console which one would it be and you have to go with the games that have already been released I would have to say it would be the Xbox One. Which is crazy because for the longest time, I mean, these both of these consoles have been out for, what, about two years now, right? Yeah, two years. The, so November. for the majority of those two years, I like unequivocally could have told you that I would lean towards a PS4, no questions asked. But as I said, lately it really seems like Microsoft has been stepping up their game enough to where now I... If you ask me that, like if if it was a gun to my head, I have to pick one right now scenario, I I don't know. I don't know which one I would pick. It'd be a tough choice, and I never thought it would actually be a tough choice, but they've kind of really pulled out of that tailspin that they were in at the beginning. So kudos to them for that. 
Well, and another story we'll get to later, too, is one of the major reasons I wanted to get a PS4 was for mm-hmm. PC. And that has kind of been dashed. But there is some good news on the horizon for that. And we'll be getting to that actually really soon after uh, another story we're going to be talking about regarding the backwards compatibility for the Xbox One. Yeah, so uh, <clears throat> speaking of Microsoft and uh, all the things that they're doing to make their console all the more attractive... Uh, the backwards compatibility uh, functions that they announced fairly recently. Uh, lately, they've been sort of taking a poll on what people want to see as far as older games uh, being made available on their Xbox Ones. And from the outset, actually, Call of Duty Black Ops 2, or as we like to call it, Cod Blops 2. Cod Blops. It's, it's really, uh, you know, honestly, that's really one of the best. Like acronyms in video games, I think it just it really just rolls off the tongue. It's, it but, sounds uh, it sounds rather fishy, I think. It, it you know it does a little bit. I still haven't quite figured out what a blop is, but I I'm not sure I want to know. It's the sound a cod makes when it breathes. That's gross. Or dies. It's still gross. Blop. <laughs> uh, so yeah on the outset that was actually the number one requested but then like very quickly it was overtaken by red dead redemption which i and rightly so in my opinion yes um and and red dead had held that top spot for a number of weeks um but recently it seems that the Cod Blops has uh, made a surging return and is now occupying the number one spot on the list of games that people would like to see uh, be compatible with their Xbox One. I think this is mostly coming from the online community that still plays on Cod Blops 2. I think the that's the reason it's, it's rising up. You still have a very active community on some of these Call of Duty games, and I know for a fact... Like the Black Ops community didn't really move on until Cod Blops 2 came out. They never really moved on to the other Call of Duties like uh, the other ones did. I think it was Modern Warfare, I don't know, Modern Warfare Infinity 4, 6, 8, I don't know. Um, whatever came after Cod Blops, like that it wasn't accepted. Then Cod Blops 2 came out and they loved it. And then Advanced Warfare came out and everyone was kind of tepid on it. And so I can completely understand why it's up there, considering how popular the series is to begin with. Well, and and speaking of its popularity, I mean, the current top 15 list for the most requested games to receive backwards compatibility support, uh, there are six Call of Duty games oh, out of the 15. So if that gives you, you know, any idea... Um, with with Black Ops 2 being you know the the top spot, uh, the interesting thing about this though is that Microsoft has made it very clear that just because people have voted for these does not necessarily mean that they are going to be supported. So that's kind of weird. I, I know that they've got you know whatever like licensing issues and stuff like that that I'm sure they have to deal with. So I'm sure that's more of just like a blanket PR statement to say like you know just in case this is us covering our ass but I still think it's a little odd um, to be taking a poll like that and being like well that's cool that you guys like these but uh, yeah you might not actually get them. And and as of right now, anyway, there's only like a handful of games that are actually supported. Although, according to them, you know, their hope is that there's going to be like several hundred 
of them playable on Xbox One by the end of this year. This is actually a pretty depressing list of games when I look at it. Yeah, it really fucking is. I mean, half of it is Call of Duty. That's like, <laughs> awful. Like, if it's not a first-person shooter, it's a first-person something. It, the only thing on here that's not played from the first person I'm looking at, or or let me put it this way, does not have an option to be played from the first person, is Mass Effect 3. That's it. Yeah, I mean, I think the only things on this top list right now that aren't just pure FPSs for the most part are Mass Effect and Red Dead. Well, I think that's Elder it. Elder Scrolls isn't, uh, well, it's, first per- it's not a shooter. Well, yeah, that's true. It's not a shooter, but so I'll, you, you know what? Yes, I'll include that one. So you got Red Dead, Skyrim, and Mass Effect 3. And then other than that, it's it's all first-person shooters, which I guess, to be fair, I think that's kind of Fallout, the Microsoft crowd in the first place. shooter RPG, though. I mean, yeah, but it's... It's still a shooter, I got it. It's still a shooter, and, and I guess for the most part, this is sort of reflective of Microsoft's sort of user base, I guess, right? Because traditionally, Microsoft Xbox fans have sort of leaned more towards FPSs anyway. Do you really think you get something different from the PlayStation user base? I mean, this could just be a dated notion on my behalf because I'm old and fuck you. But, like, uh, in a traditional sense, the Sony consoles have always been more associated with, like, RPGs, JRPGs specifically. You're dated. You're dated. Yeah, well, see, there you go. I mean, but you know where I'm coming from on that, though. So, I mean, I guess my hope would be that if PS4 announced backwards compatibility and they did a list like this, that maybe their user base would be a little more skewed towards less shooter games and more like RPGs. Or I think you'd have Gran Turismo 6 on that one. Oh, great, racing. Yeah. Well, that's what you get. You get a first-person shooter or a racing game. <laughs> that's, okay, so Sony would have racing games. There you go. That'd Great. be the difference. Awesome. I think the only one that you see any, like, if the Wii U was just getting backwards compatibility, that's the only time you see anything unique, I think. Well, no, you get Mario, Zelda, and Metroid. Never mind. Um, yeah. <laughs> you would get the, the, the standard stable that Nintendo walks out every year, or every every uh, system, I'm sorry, not every year. But it's it's good, good for Cod Blops getting back up there, I guess. Um, I don't think anyone's really surprised. That Call of Duty is still at the top. Yeah, and uh, as we were mentioning Sony and and PlayStation, uh, there's been some more uh, more talk about uh, some of the folks that were involved in the unfortunately canceled Silent Hills project. Evidently, Del Toro and uh, and Hideo Kojima are are the best of BFFs uh, even outside of outside of the the doomed project that they were involved with um so much so in fact that Del Toro has mentioned um that uh, to IGN specifically that uh himself and Kojima are in fact still in touch and evidently they are actively working on a project together he wouldn't say what and although I, I'm sure he made it actually pretty clear that it was not Silent Hills. I don't um, think not you, that you can. You can't. N- well, no, not that any of us were surprised. Like that—that's that thing is just dead now. As unfortunate as that is. You know what, Shane? I think you called it last week, and I said it wasn't going to happen. I don't know if it was last week or the week before, where you're talking about game major game developers, major game heads breaking out and going to Kickstarter. Yeah. Here we go. 
Uh, you yeah. said it was going to be something like you'd like to be Silent Hills, and I said I'd prefer it to be Team Silent. I don't think Kojima would go that way, and you thought that might happen. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, it's it's still a possibility, and I, I will say that I agree with you that if I had my druthers, like I would totally want Team Silent to you know you know reunite and get on Kickstarter and say hey. Shit sucked for a long time, yo. Uh, we're gonna make something that is worthy of the Silent Hill franchise, and you know, put something out there that's at least on the same level as you know one through three. Um, I would prefer that, but I think with with this information coming out, with Del Toro and Kojima still working on something together, I will say that it's a possibility. I think it's a stretch. Um, and I, I'm not like holding out hope or anything, but I will say that it is still at least a possibility. It's, but looking at it too, it doesn't, it doesn't officially say they're really working on anything together yet. Um, they're, they're, they're working into doing something together, but that's the thing. If they're working into doing something together, it has to be a video game. I, I, I think that has to, that's the way it has to go. Uh, Del Toro, of course, you know, film producer, very successful film producer, but if you're going to involve Kojima, I mean, you're not going to write a fucking novel. You're not going to do a movie with with Kojima in there. I mean, why? Well, but here's why the would thing. you need him would to it, do a movie? Well, but here here's a here's a question. Why would it not be a movie? It could be. I mean, if you took Del Toro and and hasn't wasn't Kojima the one that at times has sort of like either outright said or at least very strongly hinted to the fact that he would like to get into cinema outside of games because i mean let's be honest particularly with things like fucking metal gear and stuff like well, if that his the- games are almost movies to begin with they're like movies that happen to have like some gameplay like every hour but the gameplay is very good it's i'm not saying it's gameplay. bad and, and a lot of the cinematics they're they're intriguing they're interesting but if you actually made them into a movie it'd be pretty laughable not with del toro involved though no, that you're might right. be you're absolutely right not with del toro involved if, if that was the case i could see del toro being a producer and maybe letting uh kojima going a director route but i don't see why if you're del toro if you're talking to kojima kojima's bread and butter are video games I understand del toro's bread and butter is movies um, but you, I mean, Del Toro showed he's willing to get dip his toes into the waters of video games and lend his hand that way. I would just say this has to be a game, and if they're going to do it with Kojima leaving Konami and no real talk about anyone picking him up to do anything, I this could be the next major Kickstarter project, or it could be a very interesting indie project that could be swooped up and picked up by another major publisher before we know it. Yeah, I think we're gonna call this one right now. That our our prediction on this is that uh, probably after the release of Metal Gear Solid Five on September first, we're gonna see something from these two, and I think we're gonna just go ahead and make our prediction and say that it's gonna be a Kickstarter project. That's we're we're throwing in our hat in that ring right now. At least Kojima. At least Kojima. I'll, I'll say yeah. that we're gonna find out a lot of stuff after the release of the Phantom Pain. I think a lot of things are going to... You're going to start seeing a lot of stuff rolling from uh, Kojima after that. And I, I wish him the best of luck. I really hope that he continues to produce some really quality content. I know Metal Gear Solid was uh, one of the most amazing games I ever played. So 
uh, and that series. So I'm really looking forward to whatever happens after that. I'll be interested to see what comes out of it. All right. In other news, the Street Fighter V beta comes out. I really don't give a shit. Do you give a shit, Shane? <laughs> there are literally zero shits given. All right. Good talk. Next story. <laughs> Okay, and so anybody who actually listens to this that is a fan of fighting games just pretty much tuned out right now. <laughs> hey, I'm not saying the game's gonna be bad. I just don't give a shit. Yeah, nah, I, I mean, it's. I think at this point it's pretty, pretty apparent that at least I have been historically terrible at fighting games and I don't really care about them at all. Like, I have watched Evo just for the entertainment purposes because there are some moments on there where even if you don't know what the fuck is going on, it's still really cool to watch. But, like, outside of that, I, I have no interest at all. And I don't, I really don't think you're that much farther ahead of me in that one. In terms of this one, oh, people say they like it. I like Street Fighter 2. Street Fighter 2 is fun. I like Super Street Fighter 2. I like Street Fighter Alpha. And then I stopped caring. And that's where I am with Street Fighter. However, however, something that I actually do care about. Yes. Um, there is a Fallout Anthology collection that is going to be released um, fairly soon. And it's going to include all of the Fallout games from the original all the way up to the Ultimate Edition of New Vegas. And not only that... It comes in a sweet-ass collectible mini nuclear device uh, with an audible bomb sound that you can play out of it. And if you've seen the promotional photos for this thing and you're a fan of Fallout at all, this thing is pretty cool. Even though I already own actually every one of these games except Tactics because, let's be honest, Fallout Tactics actually kind of sucked. But apart from that, despite the fact that I own all of these, the supposed price tag on this, at least based on a Best Buy pre-order page, it's going to be like 50 bucks. For 50 bucks, I I might buy this anyway. This isn't a bad deal for $50 when you consider all the content you're actually getting. Yeah, I mean, all this stuff's pretty old by this point, but, I mean, look, you're getting five games... I think each one of those games you can spend easily more than 100 hours on. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and just the just to, and and just to have them like in this physical form is pretty pretty cool. And that is. And they also I guess are including space in this thing to put in uh your copy of Fallout 4 when you get it mm-hmm. too. So uh, now this just means that I have to somehow justify the $50 for this thing because I actually really want it. <laughs> well, I, I, you have the Skyrim stuff and the, the Assassin's Creed 3 stuff, so I don't think this is too far out of justification. Uh, you know, I mean, you say that, but uh, uh, part of me, it, it's like it's getting harder and harder to justify these collector's editions, particularly when I already just went and may have spent like $120 on the Pip-Boy edition of Fallout 4. Well, whose fucking fault is that? I mean, it's mine. <laughs> it's mine. Like, there's <laughs> there's nobody to blame on that one but me, except maybe Bethesda, because fuck you for making cool shit that I want. But, like... You know what you could do is you could sell your Assassin's Creed 3 stuff and get the mini-nuke. You know, that actually might be a good idea, because that game was fucking terrible. Although... As I said before, the 
for me, the best part of that game was the collector's edition stuff. Like the flat. Well, oh, the statue's badass. I well that, and I actually like that flag. It's a pretty fucking cool flag, man. It, that is a cool flag. Yeah, it's an American flag, but without with, with not stars. It's got the Assassin's Creed logo in there. It's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, and truth be told, I think that actually was the best part of that game because unfortunately, Assassin's Creed Three was not that great. Yeah, but you could probably. I mean, you could trade it out for a mini nuke. Uh, or, or I could just, or, or I could just get both, and then I could have both. Hey, hey, I mean that's justification right there. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just trying to help you. Help me, help you. It's really not justification. It's more no. just like really half-assed rationalization for why I should spend a bunch of money on something I don't actually need. But you don't really need anything. Wow, that's that's super deep, bro. I know, right? <laughs> you probably own all these games anyway. Well, that's what I said. I actually yeah. do. I own all of these except for Tactics. So, like, I already have copies of these games, but they're just presented in such a great way with this that it makes me want to buy them again. It's fucking, I, not... it's fucking terrible. <laughs> so this is your mini fridge. Yes, that's right, Chris. This is my <laughs> mini fridge. Um, but speaking of Assassin's Creed, now that we're totally ripping on three... Why not? Which it deserves, but... Yes, it does. Um, come to find out, the uh, Ubisoft Montreal director and scriptwriter Corey May has officially left the company as of this past Thursday. Uh, and he has gone on to take a new job at the Texas-based independent game studio Certain Affinity, which up until this point has primarily been a developer uh, that has worked in conjunction with a lot of other AAA studios to uh, develop mostly multiplayer portions of some of their big-name games, but they're making a concerted effort at this point to move into being more of a uh, an actual just straight-up AAA game developer in their own right, and I think pulling... Mr. May into that is just another step in that direction. I don't know if this is a major loss for uh, Ubisoft. I, I really don't. I mean, I you go to an independent company, it's going to give them a chance to start fresh. Because I do think like the storyline for Assassin's Creed and, and for the, the, the Prince of Persia games, which he was involved in as well, was actually good uh, up until you got stuck in the American colonies. And I didn't play... I didn't play three. How was the storyline in three? I mean, it wasn't bad. Like the actual writing and 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 the plot was not bad. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I think I wouldn't say that that was one of the weaker points of the game. Although I I don't think I'm alone in saying that the uh, the initial portion of the game where you're not uh, where you're playing as uh, Kenway was actually a lot more compelling than the vast majority of the game where you're playing as the person that's supposed to be the main character, which is Connor. Hmm. But but by and large, the, the, the writing and everything for the Assassin's Creed games, I think, has always been pretty spot on. And uh, granted, there's been some weird shit with like the future technology and like sort of the alien kind of subplot that got brought out in two that kind of started to go a little out there but But, i mean that was really there in one one was just there to set it up if you well yeah yeah yeah. i mean it was it's been there 
I mean, yeah, it's it's been there from the beginning. So I I, I mean, it was I suppose it was intended all along. I, <sighs> I guess I will say that uh, they handled that one a little bit better than some other like weird twists into uh, alien territory, like that Indiana Jones movie that I refuse to acknowledge exists. What movie is that? I I don't know. I don't know. What was I even talking about? Is that the one where Han shoots first? God no! Fucking you! Shut your whore mouth! I don't! I don't! I don't want to go into that debate again because the last time you brought me into that one, you fucking somehow got me into admitting something that I do not believe at all. I know you. You stand by the fact Greedo shot first, but I've seen the originals and know Han does. <sighs> I hate you so much. <laughs> anyway, I I just don't think it's that big of a loss because they have been moving. Um, they have been moving more into the multiplayer arena, and the, the more you go into a multiplayer arena, of course, the less script writing really matters. I think that might be a major reason why he kind of picked up and, and went in a different direction. was mostly because you look at the way the Assassin's Creed series is going. You don't need a script writer with extraordinary talent in order to do a multiplayer game. <sighs> this is just, like, this is just sad for me because i see a lot of games that end up going this way like i was just having a discussion with somebody about this uh recently uh about dead space how i thoroughly enjoy the first dead space game for its single player campaign and the story and how well it was crafted and it was probably one of the better horror games that have been made and progressively as that series has gone on they have made a very obvious effort to shift it more towards an action game with more multiplayer elements to the point where dead space 3 was basically a co-op game from the beginning and that happens a lot to a lot of game franchises and i personally think it's unfortunate because as you know I play games in many cases for the story experience, right? For the story. I, I like to, I like to be an interactive part of a story. And that's a big reason why I've always loved video games and to have some series that I have come to really appreciate like Assassin's Creed or like dead space or things like that get really almost watered down to just, you know, deathmatch capture the flag multiplayer games it's just sad like if i wanted that man i'll just go play some fucking unreal tournament or something like i don't need that in my what was you know a more story driven game like not everything has to turn into a mass market multiplayer game i hate to say it but yeah you're right it's 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 not good the most major franchises are going that way the single player, the single player experience is pretty much why I play games. I don't do it to play it with other people. Uh, there was a time when I was much younger that I did, but that I can't do it on like online. If I'm going to play with another person multiplayer, they need to be on the couch. It has to be interactive. Like I need to trash talk them there in person. Sure. Um, that's just the way I view it. And uh, as I've grown older and has become an adult, it's harder to do that. It's harder to find people with similar game interests or people who want to pick up and play a controller or me just wanting to do it in general. Well, not only that, it's actually harder to just get people over to your 
house (laughs) like like when you when you when you get older it's not like oh can jimmy come over and ride his bike over and play nintendo for the afternoon like it's like uh i don't know man we got like jobs and like lives and shit so it it makes people just want to unwind and like they don't want to play games and they're hanging out they just want to chill and have have a good you know have a good conversation and and have a few drinks maybe or Um, if i mean if if you can even get them over in the first place that's actually one of the harder parts Speaking of ending video games, we're moving on. Speaking of things that, you know, it's hard to get people over <laughs> That was a at. sweet segue, bro. I know, I'm doing a terrible job. Much <laughs> like Hulk Hogan did a terrible job of keeping his mouth shut and keeping involved with the WWE. Um, he has been fired from the World Wrestling Entertainment Federation. I, I, I still I still like the home of the world wrestling federation. I, I'm sorry. I, I I appreciate that you included federation in there. Because, yes, because I'm old enough to to still think of it as the WWF. Because fuck you, pandas. WWF belongs to wrestling. So brother, apparently brother, Hulk Hogan made some racist remarks well apparently brother Not apparently that, he did well Not no 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 no, no. let me let me let me get this one out <laughs> so apparently brother uh hulk hogan is not exactly a fan of brothers brother no he is not uh he was doing what a um he was doing a uh a, a, like an interview with the national Enquirer, or at least they reported on it uh, he had a tape in which he repeatedly used the N-word and described himself as uh, slightly racist at times. So he's even admitted to being racist. Uh, he has all sorts of other problems regarding uh, a sex tape and um, making some other comments specifically towards his daughter, I guess, dating uh, black males or black people. That's Yeah, that's actually where this came from. Like she's uh, She either is or was dating an African-American guy, and he was on tape saying that he did not approve of it and dropped a few N-bombs and just sort of like outright admitted that he's at least a little bit racist. So... I mean, do people still have to say the damn N-bomb now? I mean... Like I mean, it's such a bad word. I can't. I'm not even going to say it on this podcast. I won't. I won't ever dare say it. And I let words fling left and right, and that's just a word I'm not going to touch. I don't think you would either. Um, no, no, and so, and for me personally, like this is actually really disappointing. This is one of those moments, and I don't know if you've ever had this, yeah. where a celebrity that you sort of have had like a a personal sort of like appreciation for um and i'll explain that one in a minute but like they come like you find out that they're actually just a bad person (laughs) like always known he's he's kind of a scumbag i mean (laughs) well maybe i've just been out of touch with this one because like i i knew the hulk hogan i knew was like back in his heyday when before he went like you know, whatever he was with, like I think NWO or or whatever the hell that mm-hmm. was, where he went like all you know bad guy. Prior to that, and his like Hulkamania phase back in like the late '80s or whatever, when he was at his height of popularity, I I never really watched wrestling like regularly, but I was actually sort of tangentially involved with it because some of my family members liked it, and so I saw a lot more of it than I probably otherwise would have. And for some reason, Hulk Hogan was actually always one of my favorites out of that. And um, 
So for the longest time, like even though I'm not huge into wrestling, like I've always had this image in my head of him since then when I was younger of just being like this just cool fucking guy. And like to have this kind of thing come out about somebody that you've always sort of like, I won't say looked up to, but at least appreciated in a celebrity capacity and find out that they're just kind of actually a dick. I, I, um, I is unfortunate. I attribute to kind of being like the like Michael Jackson, right? Like yeah. I mean, we're children of the '80s. I mean, there's there's no mistake that truly the '80s, uh, early '90s, and that's when Hulkamania was huge. I mean, everyone knew who Hulk Hogan was. Everyone does. Everyone respects what he was. He was a pop culture icon, and he was yeah. relevant for a long time. I think the major first hit for me with Hulk Hogan was, of course, uh, when he started doing reality TV shows and. The rumors of the sex tape came out, and it not so much disappointed me, it just kind of changed my view on it, much like Michael Jackson and the whole entire child abuse uh, allegations and stuff like that. They mm-hmm. really change your perception on something. Uh, but, you know, you can't erase the fact of what he did during the 80s and uh, the wrestling during the early 90s. When when you were a child and you were growing up and a lot of those pop culture influences were, were very much a part of your social life, you couldn't escape them. Sure, sure. And so, yeah, I look at Hulk Hogan as as an icon. I, I view him as something much larger than the the arena that he's in in, in, in wrestling, even though he's immune, uh, like a, a minute part of society at large. Yeah, this is this this continues the disappointment of of somebody. You know, you you see some the wrestling the the, the WWE or uh, I still like to call it the WWF still pay their respects to somebody who helped them get to where they were because when he's part of WCW, of course they, they kind of split and they kind of had a bad relationship and now they're back together. And just to be severed by just some ridiculous, unnecessary and stupid comments about some prejudices or opinions you hold against other people for no other good reason other than the color of their skin. And it's, it's really unfortunate it's it's not like I already held this guy up on a pedestal, much like you said. Um, I mean, you more appreciated him. I, I think I held him less than on a pedestal than you did. Not saying you did, but it's I. It's just like another thing. Like the, I just kind of shake my head when I look at it, and it's like not another instance where I have to hear about this guy and his and his r- ridiculous life situations and and more stupid crap regarding him and it's unfortunate like i said he was a major part of, of all our childhoods if you're our age yeah it's it's sad because you know when you think of wrestling for me i still do think hulk hogan so our main topic for this week is we're going to be discussing esports as we all know well maybe we don't uh evo happened very recently one of the many strings of esports quote esports tournaments that has been going on uh within the past couple of years there's there's been quite a few evo of course is the one that focuses on fighting games your street fighter fours your super smash brothers guilty gear Xrd. anything i'm missing killer instinct i guess this year i don't know it's like is is blaze blue still a thing i it was i know that the, the, the highlights this year of course were like street fighter four uh super smash brothers and uh guilty gear uh those are the big highlights this year there were more, of course, over the past couple years. They, they, they kind of rotate. But what we're going to be talking about is just the explosion of what people are calling esports, uh, especially over the past 10 years, and what it means for gaming. I 
look at this and, and, and what people are going to be calling sports. And I think a very good foothold, if you don't understand what sports are or kind of where the contention is amongst, amongst gamers about what sports are or amongst what people think gamers versus the general public thinks where uh, esports are. As you can go watch, I know I've referenced this channel before in the past, is uh, The Game Theorist, where Matt Pat talks about esports. I don't know if you have you seen that video, Shane? Uh, I don't believe I've seen that one, no, actually. It's one of the more recent ones. He, he did a really good job of breaking down why he believes esports should be considered to be sports. So, to start out this discussion, before we really delve into the history of it, if we even necessarily have to, based off where the discussion goes... Uh, Shane, do you think esports should be considered sports on the same level of what we consider to be traditional sports? Yes. So I, I know that the generally speaking, the argument usually is that you know electronic sports, uh, video gaming in particular, people will say that it doesn't require the same sort of athletic ability that your more traditional sports like football or baseball or whatever generally do and they're not wrong but i think it also it 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 requires a different set of skills um and i think that the level of competition is on par with anything that you would see from any other professional you know sports organization it's really just a different um it's a different venue and so i i disagree with anyone that would you know sort of categorically discount esports based solely on the fact that it's not running up and down a field with a ball and that's and actually i i disagree with you a lot on this is that i do not consider esports a sport i consider it a competitive event which a competitive event doesn't need to necessarily be a sport. It's hard for me. It's, I think it's hard for a lot of people to definitely term what is a sport and what is not a sport. And this is how I view why esports is not a sport. Uh, do you consider chess to be a sport? Well, I mean, I suppose that depends on what your definition of the word sport is. I mean, because... I didn't ask what my definition was. I asked if you thought chess was a sport. I think it depends on the context. Because if we're talking... Do you think it's a sport? That, that's... No, 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 no. Hear me out. Yeah. So okay. I think it depends on the context. I mean, it's the same thing as talking about video games, where if you're just playing it casually in your living room, no, that's that's not a sport in, in the competitive sort of sense. Okay, okay, okay. Let me stop you then. So if I play basketball one-on-one against you right now, we just pick up a ball and start shooting. Is that a sport? That's casual. Is that sports? <laughs> <laughs> is that it's, sports it's sports only because we have like that's the only thing we know to call it so that's a yes it's one of those things where it's like you're beating around the bush on me shane come on now <laughs> we picked up a basketball right now God and started shooting some hoops against each other is that playing sports <sighs> traditionally speaking yes okay you gave me a yes so you're saying contextually chess depending on the situation is a sport so if me and you just casually started playing chess are you playing sport not in the traditional definition of the word sport so the answer is no with some caveats but yeah with some caveats so why do you not put a caveat on esports isn't that the same is some no i do is that is i do no i put the same caveat on esports which is that uh, the same thing with chess that if you're 
playing it casually, then I wouldn't consider it a sport. But if you're at the level where you're at a a competition with a crowd and you have been playing this game 16 hours a day to train for it, that is a level of effort that, as far as I'm concerned, puts you squarely in the sport category, whether or not you're a athlete by a traditional sense of the term or not. So would playing Magic be a sport? Well, it's funny you bring that up because Magic tournaments have also been becoming more and more televised as well. So Is it a sport? It You could make the argument that it could be based on you what I'm saying right now. So is poker a sport? I mean, yeah, actually, I think it would be. Especially with how it's how proliferated it's been and at the level of professionalism that has gone into that, particularly within the last like decade or so. I mean, I guess what you're really driving at here is whether or not we want to bend or modify the definition of a sport. Well, I think it, we've had to bend or modify the definition of a sport. I think a lot of people say... What we define as sports are things on ESPN. I think that's a huge mistake to do because you look at stuff. They, they say, well, you know, uh, poker's on ESPN, and so that's a sport. And a spelling bee's on ESPN, so that's a sport. Okay, no. I don't think poker's a sport. All right? It's competitive, and there's high stakes on it, but it's not a sport. Okay, so then what is it specifically for you that defines something as a sport? What defines me as a sport is something that requires physical activity. Something that what you do is you are the competitor. Like you physically are the competitor. And that's it's it's like I, I consider NASCAR to be a borderline sport itself. And, and if you ask me if NASCAR was a sport, I say I, I really don't know. Uh, because um, you're driving a car. And you, you you do have to physically cross the finish line, but you're the what work you're doing is mostly based on your inputs. The the most of the work is being done by your car. But what I look at is no, well, I mean that car would not make it over the finish line if you didn't have a a talented driver behind the wheel. Right, but if I'm playing chess casually, I can't beat you without myself. My my king and my queen aren't going to just jump all over the board on their own volition. Right. Well, a car is not going to cross a finish line without you either so right what's the argument that you're making there well here's the thing in golf like it's completely you that 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 is a sport you're competing against other people to see how much better you can do and and like basketball (laughs) you could you can make the argument though with golf too you could just be like well it's the golf club man but it's really it's the person behind it but it's the power you put into the golf club the golf uh, inanimate golf club like i can't turn on a golf club Oh, I mean, right? have you tried? Well, you know, I mean, I, I, I've really <laughs> tried putting some makeup on. Uh, but, I, um, like, my definition of sports, it, it requires, like, physical activity in addition to mental activity. There, And I, I understand, like, there's a physical draw to it. Like, you have to have physical endurance and stuff like that for esports. And the mental tax can affect you physically in terms of, of many other strategy-based games. But when I think when it comes to sports, it, do you, if you think it belongs in the Olympics, I think that you could start calling it a sport. And like that's why I think like NASCAR is hard for me because it takes something more than just human power to make it happen. Okay, and that so... that would be my definition of a sport. Sport is, is is completely relied on what you can do as a human being without any other 
like augmentation or um, or external devices that will assist you to get to what you need to be doing in addition to and I know that completely blows my argument for why poker is in the sport because that's all human driven so it's chess and checkers and so is video games man that's all human driven too like the amount of skill it takes to be like a top tier starcraft 2 player for example like their action per minute is insane like you have to have the mental acuity to be maintaining several different things all at once on a base in order to be as efficient as possible in like manufacturing your units and on top of that also trying to anticipate what your opponent is going to be doing and also working on the fly to react to things that your opponents will throw at you so that is all completely human driven so granted it doesn't require maybe the same physical exertion as your more traditional sports but i would still make the argument that it definitely takes a level of of training that your general populace does not have and and to that degree i would agree with and at that degree i would agree with you it's just um when it comes to sports now am i saying that I, I, I look down upon the training and the amount of entertainment and the uh, pure skill that esports does provide. And no, I'm not. I, I've watched the Nintendo World Championships this year. I was very entertained by it. I've gone through a couple of past Evos, and, and that's that's a lot of intense. It's very entertaining, and it shows a lot of skill I couldn't possibly imagine being on that level. But when it comes to sports, I, I just I can't, I can't call it a sport. Because the, I mean, if we go by the definition that esports and, and like MOBAs and uh, fighting games and first-person shooters, we start calling all those sports, then pretty much all card games by default, those are sports. And so when I go to Vegas and I gamble, I'm just going to go play sports. I mean, if if that by definition is a sport, then what that is competitive cannot be called a sport. That's pretty much saying anything that in essence is a competitive should be classified as a full-blown sport. I think a lot of this also just has to do with our sort of like ingrained traditional definition of the word sport. Because like when you think of something like baseball or like a pickup game of basketball, the only word you have for it really is it's a sport. And I, I think this is more driving at what the essence of a sport actually is is which is to say that it's a highly competitive event that i don't necessarily think has to just be something that is you know physically taxing i I think a mentally taxing thing can also be equally considered a sport i think at that level i think they're all of equal consideration for for a sports title i actually think I'm going to take the opposite track and say that I actually think that we shouldn't be calling something like casual basketball or, or you know, a game of street hockey with some rollerblades or something. I don't think you should be calling that a sport. I think that should be just a game because that's really what it is. Like, I think the term sport should actually be referred to or should be reserved for the more competitive arena because then i think we would have we wouldn't be having so much of this argument about this if we viewed sports in that way because if you view it that way 
then all of these things, including like professional poker and stuff like that, would then more easily fit into that definition of what a sport actually is. Now, are we changing our definition to make things that we want to be sports be called sports? Or are we changing our definition because we think sports is outdated? I personally, I think that it's outdated. Like, I think that the term itself should be perhaps redefined in some way to be more inclusive of some of these other things that we don't traditionally think of as sports. Because I do think that a lot of a lot of these things, particularly esports, do qualify just given given their nature as competitive events and i i do understand why they they want that justification of sports because as you know if something's called a sport then you're able to travel based off of visas on uh olympics like the same kind of visas that olympic competitors get when they when they transfer yeah which is something the u.s just approved recently for some of these um uh, moba tournament uh tournaments yeah in order to get the best competitors there so it's very important to you know the people in those competitive realms to consider them to be sports um, and, and the reason I keep on going back to stuff like chess and checkers and asking if those are sports, and I do think it's an interesting thing to consider, is for the longest time, you look at chess and checkers and they're considered to be what? They're considered to be games. That's, that's pretty much all they're considered to be is games. And stuff like basketball, football, uh, hockey, uh, golf, anything like that, like from... On one hand, yes, they are considered to be games, but somehow they're a higher level of games and they're considered to be sports. Like there's some additional level of seriousness to it or additional level of competitiveness to it. I think that's just because we have attributed that to it. I don't think that those necessarily deserve a higher regard than like it's a strange concept that culturally we have attributed like a higher regard to the more physically demanding games and let's be honest they are just games when you really come down to it than the more mentally demanding ones like the fact that we still relegate something like a professional chess player who has a mental acuity that is beyond either you or I that can see, you know, multiple moves ahead in a chess game and anticipate what their opponent is going to do before they even do it, to relegate those people to just calling, oh, well, what you do is a game. But what that guy over there that gets paid millions of dollars to throw a ball and get hit occasionally is a sport, and therefore it's more important, I personally, I don't think that's fair. And it isn't fair. I I think that... You know, competitive chess playing is is a lot more taxing, a lot more mental, and it takes a lot more training and practice and understanding the game than maybe uh, the competitive sports we're we're used to. We just don't think that way because a lot of us aren't interested in playing chess. We view it as, like I said earlier, a simple game, and that might be the way that we view esports. And I know I certainly do when it comes to video games. Maybe it's just because video games have been a way of escapist entertainment for me for so long that I can't wrap my head around this thing being considered a sport. I completely recognize the fact that it's competitive and it can be highly competitive and people who are at the top of their game, they are way more skilled and put way more dedication, way more training than I ever can or ever will. And I recognize that. I, I, I truly do. And how much time it takes to do that. I just, 
that barrier for me that that you already mentioned is the fact that like as someone who grew up and I know you grew up too so I know I'm not alone in this debate as someone who played multiple sports growing up like um uh I played baseball uh when I was really younger uh got into football in high school uh did some track and field in high school as well uh I did all those and yet in like elementary school I was part of the chess club I never ever thought of myself as uh when I was playing chess uh, as a sport, I never thought when I was playing against someone else in Street Fighter, like Street Fighter Alpha, when that game came out, that I was ever playing against someone else in a sport. It, it seemed it was very competitive, and of course, I wanted to win, much like I did if I picked up a basketball, like we were discussing earlier, and played one on one. I wanted to win because it's competitive. But I always felt like when I was playing basketball, that was I was I was doing sports, or I was playing flag football, I was doing sports, even in like team based. Like in Battle.net, when I guess like the precursor to MOBAs uh, for StarCraft, when that when that came out and I was downloading those maps and I was doing that way, way back in the day, uh, I never considered myself like I was competing with someone else as a sport. And maybe that's just because the world I grew up in. And it's, it's very hard for me to accept that those things could be considered a sport. As much as I respect the competitive dedication and training that it takes in order to do it. I, I can't get myself to call it a sport. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, like I said, I think that's just, it's really just coming back to the definition of the word and how ingrained it is in, in not only us, but just our culture at large that, you know, the, the word sport exclusively refers to, you know, the more physically taxing games. Um, but I, I think I, I would like to believe that as time goes on especially as these things are getting more popular and the fact that you know esports tournaments now have been featured on things like espn2 and as you mentioned you know professional players like you know league of legends players and things like that have been receiving visas to you know come to the u.s as an internationally recognized athlete I think these are all leading towards an eventuality, which is that perhaps we will change the way that we view the term sport um, to be a little more inclusive than maybe it has been up until this point. Well, we'll see. And I'm very accepting of new terms and and, and the way things go. I don't think I'll ever fully accept it. Uh, Even being in involved in the medium that it is and being very passionate about it it's 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 just something i don't think i can accept in other in other ways to view it how do you view the future of esports and what i mean by that is i see some problems when it comes to esports in terms of lack of standardization so like look at the most recent evo when you had multiple different games uh, over multiple different systems and even when you talk about smash brothers melee being in there multiple generations and I've seen articles recently uh, that talk about uh, Evo and, and just competitive fighting games in general before you even get to MOBAs, uh, how they're talking about getting rid of some esports. I mean, talking, talking about getting rid of some fighting games just because of popularity. Think how many fighting games are out there. Uh, I mean, they've taken away like Blas Blue. Uh, recently, Guilty Gear XR just came back, which is another version. 
Uh, what are they going to do when Street Fighter V comes out? Does it mean they have to get rid of Street Fighter IV? Are they going to have to knock off Smash competitors who will never give up Melee uh, for anything, even though you have a new version out? Um, the, do you view this v- uh, future of esports definitely changing just because of the advancements in technology and advancement of the game, or do you th- and think it will never catch on? Because that's what I'm thinking. I, I just want to hear a different perspective if you think differently. Just because. When there's so many different games that come out year after year after year, and people are going to have to adjust this year after year after year, the lack of standardization that's present in other sports, like the more common ones like football, baseball, basketball, and hockey, how are they going to be able to streamline this effectively to maintain popularity? Well, I think this is an entirely different beast than anything that your more traditional sports have ever had to deal with, because... You know, when you talk about something like, you know, let's say football, I mean, the the game of football has not intrinsically changed since practically its inception. I mean, sure. I, I mean, now, you know that I'm as far as more traditional sports go, I'm a little more involved in like the NHL and hockey more than anything else. So speaking from that perspective, like I know that there are some cases where the rules of a well-established game like hockey will change. And they have in the past specifically at like the the blue line. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So things like that, that for the longest time have just been a given will occasionally change uh, at the professional level. And usually that'll trickle down to your, you know, amateur leagues and, and youth, you know, organizations, et cetera, et cetera. But, by and large, your more traditional sports don't have to deal with this level of change that uh, that esports do. The fact that a new game in a series comes out, you know, every couple years or something, fundamentally changes how a tournament is going to function, basically. And so they're really breaking new ground uh, in that aspect, and. I want to say that I think they will figure out a way to standardize it and handle it appropriately. I think even though that technically speaking, esports have been a thing uh, in some fashion or another for at least a good decade now, you know, sometime in the early 2000s is really when this started to sort of take off. They're still young. Um, especially in relation to a lot of the more established sports that they're, you know, uh, that we've been comparing them against. So they're, they're still in their fledgling stage. And I think a lot of this still needs to be figured out. I want to say that they will probably get some good standardization in place. I think it'll take a little while. Um, it's been slowly evolving as time has gone on, but they still have a long ways to go. And, uh, and apart from just, you know, figuring out, you know, a standardization as far as what version of a game they're going to play and stuff like that, whether or not you want to call them a real sport or not, you know, they're encountering a lot of the same problems that other sports have for decades now, um, which is another thing that they need to learn how to handle, and when I say that, I, I'm talking specifically about competitors either, you know, colluding to fix games in order to, you know, uh, gain a monetary benefit out of it, or a, a, something that has become a lot more 
prevalent as esports have evolved is performance enhancing drugs. And at first, a lot of people who might not be familiar with this sort of realm might think, what the hell could they possibly be using for drugs? Adderall. Like stuff like Adderall. But yeah, that's it. I mean, things like Ritalin and and Adderall, um, things that are stimulants that will, you know, boost a player's, you know, concentration and reaction time and keep them going for longer. That's a big advantage um, in this well, that, particular the, realm. So, well, that that would be a, that's going to be a huge difficult thing to address, considering that video games are are meant for the common person. The accessibility is one of the attractions for esports. Is anyone can pick up this thing? It's free. They can go on there and they could start playing. Like, let's say someone is diagnosed with uh, ADD, which. Is, is fairly common, or ADHD, which is fairly common amongst uh, youths in, in the uh, in, in at least the Western world. And one of the things they prescribe is Adderall and Ritalin, and it does increase their focus. And it doesn't. It, it, that's what's designed to do because they lack focus. Sure. So, what if these people want to go into the online gaming sphere because they are they at an advantage? Are they going to be disqualified because they have a disability that they have to cope with? Well, okay, so this is going off into a deep end that we're we're not gonna go into really right now. But I, I mostly just that I, I think that ADD and ADHD has been something that has been grossly over. I'm not disagreeing with you on that. Over diagnosed oh. as as time has gone on, but but if someone yeah. legitimately has you know an attention deficit disorder and it's something that has been properly identified by a doctor however you want to say that is because there are a lot of doctors out there that will just call someone ADD just to prescribe get them out of the office and give people medicine. peace of mind well it's not even that it's actually more so they can just prescribe more drugs but well, yeah, that too. but again we're not going to go off on that one but you're right that is a slippery slope and unfortunately I think the only way that they could really come to terms with that one would be in my mind requiring you know a a signed document from a doctor saying like yes this person is actually ADD and they require this drug because if someone actually has an attention deficit disorder then something like Ritalin or Adderall really ought to just bring them up to speed with where like most of the rest of us are on like any given day in the first place but it's going to be impossible to determine that. You're right. It is. So the best they can do is just get as close of an approximation as they can. And off the top of my head already, I'm already thinking that, you know, there are people that will probably try to game and abuse that system to get a doctor's note, basically, to say, like, yeah, no, I'm totally ADD. And, you know, then go on to abuse you know Ritalin or something like that to get an advantage in their esports gaming it's gonna happen I, I nothing is a perfect system I mean you even talking about traditional sports you constantly see players getting called out for using steroids or whatever and so well, even Adderall in professional sports they get called out for it they can't use it yeah yeah even that so I mean it Nothing is perfect, and no, uh, you know, sports or gaming association is ever going to have a complete control over that. It's really a matter of just doing the best they can. 
So I don't expect any different from, you know, an esports organization than I would, you know, a, a traditional sport. But going back to what I was saying about how they're the future of esports and you're right professional drug uh, uh in terms of uh, drug testing stuff like that that that's going to be a major concern considering there are drugs out there that can increase your focus and, and going through uh fixing games gambling monetary benefits stuff like that that is a definite focus uh that of concern that they need to address but when coming back to the future of it now when i say this i don't think the popularity will necessarily wane i think every every single division of esports they're going to have is going to have its own following as we, you looked uh, on doing research on this, I think we both saw that in terms of people who are watching competitive gaming, it's it's eclipsed over like 70 million people. I think like 71 and a half million people was recorded for watching some mo- more recent eSport events. And that was just uh, in one year. That was just in one year. So th- that is an incredible number that eclipses anything in terms of major sports in the United States. Even for like this, like it's as comparable to the Super Bowl. And it's more than any NBA Finals game. Well, here's the interesting thing about that to consider, too, um, that you bring that up, is how easy it is to watch these things in comparison to a traditional sport. And I say that in so much as because esports are just intrinsically more technologically savvy, I guess. I wouldn't call it easier in the traditional sense to watch these games well is it is it not in the more modern sense well yeah but is it not easier to just load up twitch tv and watch an esport event basically for free as opposed to you know paying for cable to watch the super bowl or like a pay-per-view boxing event or no no I, i disagree with that notion in terms of ease because in order to watch something on your tv first of all you need to get a computer uh much like a tv um, you need to have internet access. You have to pay for that, much like you do for cable. And you need to have to know the website and the uh, user that is going to be streaming that, much like a cable provider, and the channel. And here's the thing. I can't go to a sports bar and watch a MOBA tournament. I can't go watch the League of Legends final over at my at my local sports bar. I can't do that. Well... I mean, all that says to me is I think you just hit on a great idea that you and I should just open an esports bar. Soon. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> I don't think it's there yet. But um, because, like you said, I mean, the people who are savvy enough to find these things know how to find them. If they already have internet, they don't need to go to a bar and watch it. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's not going to be that far off where they're going to have esports at sports bars just because it's going to be too lucrative to ignore when you see those things are, are, are getting higher numbers than what people get for pay-per-views of boxing. And those are big deals or UFC fights. And those are big deals at these bars. That's because people, so people don't have to pay for the pay-per-view. But in terms of ease, I mean, you could turn on a TV and go to one of your basic broadcasting channels and just find it. If And if you don't have cable, yeah, it's harder if you don't have cable nowadays. I understand a lot of these people who are into esports probably don't have cable like a many many people are assuming they do. Now, one of the things like I go back to, again, the future of it. Here's why I'm concerned about the future. If I tell you football, which you say hasn't, it, it's, it has changed a lot since its inception because it was more like rugby at the beginning of the 20th century. And like they only had the forward pass starting like the, the 1920s. Mm-hmm. In terms of football, it has changed a lot, especially recently in terms of rules to uh, further the uh, advancement of the passing game, much like hockey got rid of the blue, la- uh, blue line passing rule in order to open up that game 
and uh, the NBA has uh, changed its rules for more offense because more offense sells. So every game changes slightly. But if the fundamental of every single game hasn't changed. When you think football, you think of a quarterback throwing to receiver and people trying to hit them or a running back running through people, right? Right. When you think of basketball, you think of – when I say describe the sport basketball – you say someone's trying to get a ball into a hoop. When I say describe the sport soccer, you think of someone trying to kick a ball into a goal. And when I say describe esports, describe fighting games. Well, someone can describe a fighting game, but there's so many divisions of fighting games, and every single fighting game is so different. You're looking at so many different leagues. Eventually, it's like no matter how popular it's going to get, you're going to start having splits. there's going to be splits in the base. Like I said, the popularity will never wane. I don't think the popularity will wane just because of the way we're moving forward. But when you describe esports, there are so many different variables that it'll be something people are casually into, but it won't be something that people are as passionate about as they are with, say, uh, football. Because if if I can say Walter Payton right now, and people who watch football know who Walter Payton is, Right, I can talk about Johnny Unitas in terms of football, and people know who he is. If I talk about uh, a big game player now, I understand, like you said, it's still young. They'll think, oh, that guy who is really good at Street Fighter. They won't say that guy who's really good at fighting games, because that guy could go into like Guilty Gear Xrd and get completely destroyed. Right? Well, yes, but I mean, that's I, I see where you're going with that, but I think, and I mean, this is probably this might actually just be reinforcing your point more. But I, I, even within just the realm of like, let's say, fighting games, I, there is enough of a difference there that I would even call each game its own. Like, if you're if you're draw, trying to draw a direct comparison from fighting games or something like that to something like football. I would actually go so far as to say that each game in and of itself is its own sport. Like you could say that like street fighter is football and then like mortal Kombat is baseball or something to the point where someone who is amazing at street fighter might suck at mortal Kombat. Like, and, and but then you still have, like you said, going back to you, say it might reinforce my point. You got too many divisions. You got too many splits. Right, right. I mean, even in the, in the MOBA arena, like right now, that's like saying, um, like right now you have what Smite, uh, Dota, and League of Legends, and, and I think there may be one more, but I think those are the big, those are the the three big ones. That's that's pretty much it. There have been a few others, and I know like Infinite Crisis, I think was around for a while, but I think that's gone now. So. But essentially what you're saying there is you're going to have the NFL, the USFL, and the Arena Football League, or uh, Aussie Football League, instead of USFL, because they don't exist anymore. Yeah. Uh, what, eventually, one's just going to kind of go off into the distance. It's going to have their fan base and people who care, and, and people who follow it, but only they're going to follow only one. The unfortunate aspect when it comes to esports and these games is these games have a lifespan, and, and most streamlined traditional sports quote unquote as we've discussed they don't they haven't shown that they've had a lifespan like baseball has been around for almost 150 years soccer has been around for a very very long time um and and there's other sports around the world have been around even longer like cricket or uh rounders or um 
especially like cricket, that's much older than us, and they have a big following over in uh, like India and Pakistan, they don't really seem to have a lifespan. The game may change, but it's fundamentally the same. You, there, there doesn't need to be an update. There doesn't like no one's wondering what's the next version of baseball. What's the next version of baseball going to do? We've heard discussions recently like how is baseball going to change in order to get more fans to pay attention to it because it's waning. But no one's like, what's the next baseball? What's the next football? What are some improvements they're going to make to, you know, uh, uh, some changes that players are going to have to adapt to? Um, and, and you don't see that. And that's something that's going to happen in esports. And I think it's going to end up fracturing a lot of the fan base and, and its progression that can happen. Well, to and to play devil's advocate though i mean do you think perhaps that that might actually be the draw of esports and and by that i mean that while traditional sports fans they they learn the game they know it they love it it's never really going to change all that drastically so it's something that they're sort of comfortable with and it's sort of safe in in so much as it can be but do you not think that maybe that might actually be more of a draw for esports fans and it might just be a different mindset where you know they understand and and the people and and I think where you're getting with this is like trying to you know draw more people into it that perhaps wouldn't already be interested but speaking just for the people that are that that already like you know, an esport, like let's say fighting games, for example, I would almost venture to say that that is some that is a positive in their mind because they can always look forward to something fresh and new, and the discussion surrounding what is the next Street Fighter going to be, what are they going to change, which characters are we going to see, how is it going to play, are these mechanics going to be the same, are they going to be different, like that is the source of a lot of excitement and discussion amongst that community. So I think that's something that actually might be a benefit to them and less of a detraction. It is now. Like it, yes, you're right. It is now amongst the people who are in there now. What I'm talking about is moving forward. You could be a football fan. Like right now, I, you have people who are football fans, diehard football fans since like they're old enough to understand what the sport is sure. and they're football fans for the rest of their life. Sure. And, and we've already seen that. How many people right now who are Dota fans or Dota 2 fans are going to consider themselves MOBA fans or specifically Dota fans for the rest of their life and aren't going to get alienated by changes that the games are going to make? I'm not saying like football football fans are getting alienated right now in terms of how they treat the uh, how they treat the quarterback and uh, how the passing game is going, but since it's so fundamentally the same, and the, the league is still the same, and the game is still the same, and the teams are still the same, and everything is still exactly pretty much the same except for the slight rule changes, which are admittedly uh, alienating traditional football fans in some ways. How are you going to bring that to esports? Because you're right, the freshness and the newness changes, but every single time you get a new change, for as many people you're going to impress and bring on, you're going to lose as many people that you're going to be alienating and say, this isn't the way we used to do it. I'm going to stick with the old stuff, and they're not going to move on. You don't have that with the other sports. I don't think that it necessarily needs to have that, though. I think it's operating off of an entirely different mindset. Like, I I think, and whether it's sustainable or not, and that's part of what I think you're driving at, 
I don't know, but... Oh, sustainable. It, it's definitely sustainable at some point. Like, Twitch is going to continue to do this because like, you're only going to get more people. Twitch is only going to make more money. Well, but that's... YouTube's only going to make more but money. But that's the thing, though, is what I'm saying is 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 if, if esports doesn't operate off of the same notion that traditional sports do which is you know we have fans that know how this game plays and they're going to be a fan for life because intrinsically this game does not really change all that much um and they know it and it's something that they love i esports i don't think are going to function that same way i think they're going to have to thrive off of this is going to change every X amount of years. And yes, we are going to hemorrhage a certain amount of people who are not going to agree with the way that the latest iteration of this game functions. But we're also, because of the novelty of it, I think they're still going to be bringing in enough new people to offset the losses that they might have. So I think they're going to be functioning on a different on a different plane than traditional sports do where they're going to, their longevity is going to be based solely on whether or not they can continue to maintain that level of novelty and bring new people in for all of the ones that they lose when changes are made. And it's a dangerous proposition because that's, that is not safe in the least bit. Like that's, that's a, it's a gamble, but I think that that's kind of the way that it almost has to be because I really don't think you're ever going to get the same level of stability from an eSport that you would from something like football. And yes, to that degree, I, I, I just thought of something where you're saying that is uh, in terms of eSports sustainability, another thing we have to consider is that eSports is very, very consumer friendly in terms of um, what what they display, and I know I just I just kind of thought of this on the spot, but as a consumer, when you watch Evo, uh, for example, uh, since that just happened, you can watch many different fighting game experiences, uh, and you can watch them all, and they're very very fun to watch. You can't get that in any other sport. When you're watching the Super Bowl, it's not like you start out with uh, the ninth inning with two bases loaded and um, with, yeah with two on. Two on the two on bases and with two out, two on two out, uh, bottom of the ninth, and and they're pitching with a one score game, and then you roll it right into uh, overtime of a tie game in soccer, going into uh, the last five minutes of the fourth quarter for the Super Bowl, and that's essentially what you can get out of Evo. Uh, you can't get that in any other sport. So when it comes to sustainability, that could be to his advantage in terms of having that many different options and that many different things to watch is you get multiple high-level competitions for all those from a consumer point of view. Uh, in terms of actual participant point of view, that, that might be harder to juggle because now you have to think about sustainability and profit-wise. Uh, now, these guys are making quite a bit of money, obviously. They're not going to what traditional pro athlete terms of money, but I don't think they're ever going to have the media breakout and media respectability and media marketing power as uh, our pro athletes, just because there's so many of them. Like I said, Evo is the Super Bowl for fighting games. How many Super Bowls are within that Super Bowl during that time? I think that just furthers kind of what I was saying, which is I think that they are marketing to the people that, that are into this the most. And that is that a lot of 
I mean, let's be honest, a, a lot of not only kids, but younger people and, you know, some of the generations that are currently into these kind of games, like attention spans are not that long. Um, <laughs> so they have ADD, they need. Adult. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think they know, you know, that that is their market by and large. And so having that constant hit of novelty of, Okay, well, may, football might have this one Super Bowl, but Evo is like eight Super Bowls in one, and you're gonna get a sweet ass championship fight, like you know, every you know x amount of hours or something to keep you interested. I can't really see that as anything but being in their benefit because, and I've even even me personally being, I mean, relatively older when you're talking about the gaming scene at this point, but. I've even seen it in myself just with the advances of technology and and things like that. There was a time where I could sit with a book or a game or something and be just completely engrossed in that one activity for like hours at a time and not have any problem. And lately (laughs) I've been noticing that I don't do that so much anymore. Like if I am at my computer, I have two screens now. And I mean, I have for a while, but you know, with a dual screen setup, suddenly I'm realizing that my brain wants more stimulation than just one thing. So I actually have on several occasions chosen not to play a certain game on my main screen because I knew it was something that I'd actually have to pay attention to. And instead play something a little less impact like an ARPG or something that doesn't require as much thinking just so that I could have like YouTube or Netflix playing on my other screen so that I could do more than one thing at once. And that that's a problem. <laughs> but but that's also You just went way off the deep end there. <laughs> oh, I know. I know that. But, like, that is also indicative of, I think, a large portion of the community for something like an esports oh, competition. Oh, yeah, people – I don't think people who are watching these MOBAs uh, because they're into gaming, I don't think they're watching esports and doing it exclusively. I think there is a certain degree that they are probably gaming on the side or watching TV on the side or doing something else uh, on the side in addition to watching these esports. I know I do it regularly during sports with mobile games. I, I'm like, I play record keeper while watching basketball or something like that, or even watching TV. That's just something I do. And I think they're doing much of the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think that the, the constant novelty that is sort of inherent in the, you know, sort of diversification of, of the games and things like that, that are involved in an esports tournament. While on one hand you, could you could as you were saying make an argument that it might be detrimental in that there doesn't seem to be a lot of consistency or longevity there to really build a solid fan base at the same time you can also make the argument that the people that are really the fans of this stuff actually kind of crave that constant change so it it might actually be for their benefit well i think that we had a really good debate on this I mean, we could probably go on this for hours. I really do. But we've, we've been spending a lot of time on this, and I do appreciate uh, those who have listened to this through the entire debate. And I'd just like to thank you for listening to the Retro Hangover podcast. Absolutely. And I would like to let you all know that we are now on Twitter, and our handle is at Retro Hangover. 
Uh, title is Retro Hangover Podcast. I have no idea how to work Twitter. That's a, that's okay. I, I do. <laughs> okay, that's good. Uh, my wife does too, so she can help me out. Maybe she can be our uh, social uh, social network. <laughs> our, our social media liaison. Social me- media liaison. She was telling me all about hashtags and stuff like that. Oh God! But um, we'll pay attention to definitely pay attention to that Twitter page. Uh, looking always looking for followers. We tweets uh, comments on our tweets, stuff like that. Uh, same goes for Facebook. We're still there on Facebook. Uh, be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and email us at podcast at retrohangover.com. Uh, we love to hear your feedback. What do you think about esports? Where do you think it's going? What do you think about what we said? And I'll get back to you if I if I see a comment. I would love to, because I, you know, I already said I don't consider it to be a sport. There's probably a lot of you hating out there on me. Um <laughs> And I'll, I'll take it on. Bring it. Uh, I would love to debate you personally. I think it would be a, a lot of fun. Uh, but that's it for myself, uh, Chris Gopleen on Retro Hangover Podcast. Shane, you have a final word? Um, I don't know, man. I mean, you, you covered it pretty good. I mean, from here on out, because we do now have a Twitter account established, thanks to Chris, um, I, I, you know, I generally speaking, am, am the one that puts the uh, the blog posts out there for our new episodes and everything. So I will say that uh, f- here on out, um, you know, our updates as far as new episodes and things like that will be cross posted both to Facebook and to Twitter at, at the same time. So if you follow us on one or the other, then you will uh, be kept up to date on uh, all things RHP. And other than that, I think as we say every week, you know, I, I appreciate all of you that are out there uh, giving us a listen and supporting this stupid little thing that we do while we drink beer and ramble on about games and shit all right you all it's jen july not <laughs> yeah man it's fucking january it's, <laughs> Fuck it's yes. like 90 degrees out it's july 26 2015 for the retro hangover podcast thank you for staying with us this is chris copeline and as always happy gaming and we will see you next week shane <laughs> i i got nothing man we're done <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>